This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Soul to Soul on a beautiful Friday afternoon here in Johannesburg. If not a little warm, a good night of Shabbos and a Chodesh Tov to all of our family. Yes, it is the second day of Rosh Chodesh, the first day of Chodesh Kislev, which means that Hanukkah can't be far away, only 25 days uh, away, the other side of three weekends, uh, three Shabbos, and we'll be at Hanukkah, so it's really exciting. Kislev, of course, is the Chodesh of, of light, of, of great of great light, of, of great miracles, and uh, it's a time where we anticipate and look forward, and look forward to very, very greatly, especially here in this uh, in this country, as we said, as, as we wind down anyway towards the end <coughs> of the scholastic of the work year, and people already are anticipating their their time off and their little little break. Hopefully, for those people that will get a break, obviously some people will not be working straight straight through. But still, it's a it's a little bit of a the kind of the whole country kind of slows down a bit. So one gets even if one isn't working, one gets sucked a little bit into into holiday mode. So this week we are have Pashas, Shabbos Kodesh Pashas Toldais, uh, Pasha number six in the in the cycle of the yearly of the yearly Pashat, and it's a fascinating and dramatic uh, uh, a Pasha, the Pasha where we we meet Yaakov and Esav, the two sons of of Esav, and and really the forerunners of of of. The whole, the whole world. Yaakov, of course, symbolizing the Jewish nation, the father of the Jewish, of the Jewish nation, uh, and his twelve later his twelve sons, which become, which become who we are. And of course, Esav, which represents and stands for all that which is in direct opposition to to Judaism and and to everything that we that we uh, we stand for. So this is this is the week where it all begins, and 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 there are lessons, of course, to be to be learnt in 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 defining. What is what is Yaakov? What is Esav? What what are the particular attributes? What are the what are the character traits that define a a, a Yaakov and and define an, an Esav? So we have the the Torah tells us a little uh, a, a story that happens when the two children, according to Medrash, are about fifteen years old, and the Torah tells us that uh, that uh, uh, the Torah that, that about uh, Esav. Esav's, uh sells the, the birthright. Esav was the older child. He was born first, and he sells his birthright to to Yaakov. The, the pasuk, in fact, uh, tells us that by Yozed Yaakov Nozid by Yovoy Esav Menasadiv Huoyev that uh, Yosef was cooking a a dish, and Esav came in from the field, and he was tired. And Rashi comments. On that, what's nozid? Lashon bishul. Nozid is a cooked, a cooked dish, as is explained by the uh, by the uh, targum, as as an uncle uh, as he, he he translates it. Now, a couple of questions that come up in just uh, understanding what is what is hap- what is happening here. So, first of all, generally, if you ask someone who is familiar with the Hebrew? What would be the word that you use for for cooking? So generally, the word is levashel or, or bishul, uh, uh, cooking, as we find in other places, in even in the Torah, where the Torah wants to tell us about about uh, cooking. So use the word bishul. For instance, where. Uh, 
But the carbon past Pesach, where it tells you not allowed to cook it, so the word is la ubashel muvushal mamayim. It can't be, it can't be cooked in, uh, in water. Um, other, other examples, uh, other examples also. But since the Rashi found it necessary to tell us that the word vayazid means cooking, shows that he felt that there was some that change, some deviation from, from the normal situation, from the, I guess you call it the linguistic norm in this, in this process. So we need to ask, why did the Torah use an unusual word, the word vayazid, in this uh, in this uh, pasuk, rather than the normal rather than the normal uh, word, and obviously, as we mentioned many times before, there is no such thing as synonyms in lashon hakodesh in in biblical in biblical Hebrew. There are no two words that mean exactly the same, even if they fall under the general sort of category of being the same type of word. Every word has its own has its own nuance. So, how does the word "vayose" differ in its sort of implications from the more common words uh, "levasha"? Uh, secondly, it sounds interesting that at the initially it doesn't even tell us what Yaakov was cooking. It says "vayose Yaakov nazid." Yaakov was cooking a dish, and it's only later when he actually serves uh, Esav and gives him the food, there it says, Yaakov gave, gave Esav lechem unizid adoshim, and a, uh, of bread and a cooked dish containing containing lentils. Now, uh, if the Torah felt it, that it was important enough and relevant enough to mention what dish Yaakov was cooked. So why did he keep it a secret initially and only at the end mention what, uh, what it was that he actually, that he actually uh, was, was cooking? Number three, why in fact was Yaakov the one Doing, doing, uh, doing the cooking. I mean, didn't Avram Avinu have enough, uh, Yitzchak, didn't Yitzchak have enough sort of domestic, uh, staff, uh, to work in the, in, in the, in the kitchen? So, the Medrash God actually says that when Yaakov came home from, from Yeshiva that day, he found that all of the servants were asleep. And rather than waking them, he chose to do the cooking, uh, himself. In fact, Rashi on the next pasuk tells us that what was Yaakov uh, cooking? He was making a sudat He was making the first meal that is uh, customarily served to to mourners uh, in order to right uh, uh, that uh, uh, Yitzchok was was now sitting shiva after the death of his of his father Av- Avram, and Yaakov got uh, busy. Uh, preparing that that uh, that meal, so the fact that all of Yitzchak's servants were sleeping at the time when they should have been preparing uh, the meal for their for their master, you know, the first day he was busy sitting shiva. Again, that must be some kind of hashkacha. Those things don't happen for no reason. There must be some kind of a, 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 a some divine uh, intervention. Davka that. Yaakov himself should be doing should be doing the the cooking and making that meal for for his uh, for his father. Therefore, the reason why this was necessary must be significant and, need, and needs to be uh, needs to be uh, ex- explained. Uh, actually, there's uh, in the Gemara uh, 
there's a, a whole a discussion, the Gemara, around this word, Vayazed, which he, uh, which he cooks. It's Gemara in, in, in Sota, which, uh, which discusses the, the punishment that the Egyptians received, uh, at the end of the, 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 the whole episode with the Jews, where they were drowned in the, in the, in the Yamsuf, because they had drowned the Jewish babies, and, and the Torah says that, uh, uh, and quoting Rabbi Elazar, why does it say in the beginning of Pashat Yitro, Ki Badavar Asher Zadu Alehem, that, uh, they were, they were killed in the same way that they, that they had, had killed, had killed others. So the Gemara says, uh, on the same pot that they cooked others, they themselves were, were, were cooked. And how do we know that the word zadu is an expression of, of cooking? Because it says, brings this posse by Yozid, Yaakov, and So really what's the meaning of, of, of the, of the, of the, of that pasuk? That, uh, kibadava, whatever they, they schemed against, whatever they planned to do to you was done, was done to them. How does that in fact relate to the whole concept of, uh, of, uh, of cooking? And, and how does that relate to, to, uh, to Yaakov and the fact that Yaakov cooked a dish? The fact that the Torah used the word zadu and therefore enabled the Gemara to make this, this drosh and to comparison and to make a comparison to, to what happened with Yaakov and to, and to play this play on words. Again, there must be something quite fundamental and some, something quite uh, deep as of a connection between these two, these two words that we're going to try to need to, uh, to under, to understand. Right? Uh, and in fact, from the fact that the Gemara asks, uh, how do we know that the word zadu means to cook in a pot? So we can learn from this that uh, the definition of zadu specifically refers to cooking in a pot as opposed to any other kind of, of uh, I guess, any other kind of culinary uh, uh, equipment. So then this obviously then raises the additional question. So why did the Gemara even mention this seemingly in the in, uh, unimportant detail, this question of the fact that it was that it was a uh, a, uh, a a a pot. So, so uh, we need to understand all all of these all of these uh, these things. The the Malbim uh, makes a a very very uh, deep and, and incisive uh, connection between the word zadon. Which refers to something that was done intentionally and and wantonly, right? Something that's planned or planned uh, avera, and the word zadu, which means to to cook. So he explains that the word zadon doesn't refer to a sin that is done kind of in the heat of the moment where a person has has a passion, has a tremendous, is overcome by a desire. To, to do something, but rather it refers to an, an Avera that has been kind of uh, thought out and, uh, and planned, or as, as, uh, as he says, uh, it's, it's, a, it's an uh, outcome of Bishul Rayonim, of allowing something to cook in your, in your head, cooking up thoughts. So you see from this that one refers to, to cooking, 
as the word hezids. So it's talking about not something you just whip something quickly up. It's, uh, it is symbolizing the kind of action with that, uh, with that, uh, that when a person goes into preparing a food so that it can be, that it can be eaten as opposed to the end result of cooking. In other words, there are really, there are two kind of people that, that cook. One is the very pragmatic person that, you know, you gotta put supper on the table every night. You know, you got a horde of, uh, hungry family members waiting, waiting to, uh, to eat and, you know, <laughs> so you gotta do something. So you throw a couple of things into a dish and, and say a prayer and hopefully it turns out, turns out right. The truth is you probably, if you could afford it, you'd go and, and buy supper every night. But, uh, as far as you're concerned, the only purpose of it is to be able to throw something on the table for your for your family and how it kind of gets there doesn't really make all that much of a uh, of a of a difference. However, there are other people who actually enjoy the process of cooking itself, and they usually won't even pass up on the opportunity to cook their own food, even if they have someone else who could do it who could do it for them. So this group, although probably. Are the uh, the minority? So for them, so uh, uh, appreciate that the actual act of preparing and making food is it's an act of creativity. It's an act of really bringing something into the uh, into the uh, into the world that gives them tremendous pleasure and tremendous kind of pride. In, in perfecting and beautifying the, the, their, their culinary, uh, efforts. And, and, and they put, they put so much, they put it so much into it. And, and obviously, a person who feels this way, so that's the kind of approach of cooking that the Torah refers to when you use the word zadu. Zadu, which is the cooking and the premeditation, refers to the kind of cooking that's done when it's, uh, emphasizing the, the, the cooking kind of for its own sake, as opposed to just cooking, so that you have an end product of some food that you can put that you can put on the on the table. So, therefore, when when the Torah says that the Egyptians were were punished, mida keneged mida, because they cooked the Jews, therefore they were cooked in the same in the same pot. So, therefore, use the word zadu, right? Because we want that specific connection to cooking because it emphasizes the fact that they were punished through the same method and the same vehicle w- with which they had planned and they had schemed against against the Jews. It wasn't something that was done randomly. It was a well-thought-out effort. It was a well-planned, a well-planned uh, uh, effort because they had prepared a whole plan to drown them in, in water and, and therefore they themselves were down because they planned that's how the Rabbi Islam got them back so the word Zodu uh, emphasizes so to speak to to cook up of their of their of their scheme as opposed to just simply using water as a means to reach to reach uh, an outcome it's a, it's a it's a it's a uh, organized way of of doing it therefore so when the Gemara tells us and the one includes the fact that the cooking is done dafka but uh, in in a in a pot and and that's the definition of zadu that's because when you're focusing on 
the cooking as simply a means to to an end, then the implements you use, the pot itself, is not important at all. Uh, if you can manage without, the, it's, it's really just the, the the container in which you're going to put the food, and and that's that. Yeah, you know, the main point is 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 the is the food, but. If one views the cooking as the kind of art and, and, and an important act unto itself, then the pot, oh, then has to be a certain kind of pot for certain kind of foods. You have to have this kind of bottom and that kind of bottom. The pot, the pot itself has much, much more significance as, the, as that is the tool which you can then use to cook, which then you can then, which you can then use to pro, to produce something amazing and uh, and beautiful to put to put on your on your table inside inside that uh, inside that pot. But uh, so it's it's not that it's unimportant. On the contrary, the the implement is very very uh, a point uh, uh, very very uh, important that we can now use our our pots and uh, and uh, and cooked. When Yaakov went to cook this meal and he and he troubled himself to go and cook food for his father's uh, first meal after the after the funeral why because he understood that there was a fundamental difference between the way that he would approach this task of cooking and the way the the kitchen staff the the chef would have would have approached it because Yaakov appreciated that the cooking of this meal for his father, it was a mitzvah. Filling the mitzvah of honoring your father and filling the mitzvah of, of making that meal. And, and such, the actual preparation and the stage through which he had to go to to make the food, so they were important and would need to be done with, of course, the proper uh, kavana, the proper intention in order to do this mitzvah and, and kind of infuse the mitzvah with the maximum kedusha, the maximum holiness, right? The the other slaves, the kitchen, the kitchen workers, however, if they had done the cooking, they would have no appreciation of the importance for doing a mitzvah, and they would have just used it as as a simple chore or just another meal that they had to that they had to uh, that they had to serve. So therefore, it was the hashkok of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. And I could, that Yaakov himself should find all the uh, kitchen staff uh, in bed, so that he himself would be able to have, to have the opportunity to fulfill the mitzvah in its fullest way, with all the necessary uh, implications that it would uh, that it would uh, would have, and therefore, so. It now makes a good sense why the Torah used the word by Yozed to refer to Yaakov's cooking, right? Because Yaakov viewed this cooking as a purpose. Every single thing I do, nothing is random, nothing is unimportant. Everything leads to something else. If I'm cutting the onions, that's to do this. And everything has a, has a purpose. And those are the, all the preparations which are necessary to perform a full, a full mitzvah. And then that gives the the prep itself the very status of a mitzvah because hachonah for mitzvah preparation for a mitzvah is considered part of the mitzvah and therefore that's why we needed the word vayazet which emphasizes the cooking uh, process as a process as opposed to bishul which just refers kind of to the end to the end uh, in the end result so therefore. 
that's also why it doesn't mention. It just says Vayozid Yaakov Nozid. He was cooking a dish. What the dish was? That's not. That's not important, because the 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 Ica thing was not the outcome. Having the soup on the table was what went into it, and the preparation, the kavanas, and and the mitzvah that Yaakov was doing. And it's only later when he actually serves it to uh, to uh, Esav that we actually uh, are told what uh, what the difference what the difference uh, what the difference is. Uh, so this then becomes a very fundamental difference between Yaakov, Yaakov and Esav. The Torah refers to Yaakov as Ish Tam Yoishev Island, which I guess means a straight, perfect, a man who lives in, in the tents of, uh, of Torah. And the reason the Torah refers to his learning by saying that he dwells in the tents rather than uh, talking about the actual act of, of, of learning. So that kind of emphasizes the, the uh, or, or, or emphasizing the fact that he sits rather than what it was that he was, uh, that he was uh, learning because the important aspect as far as Yaakov was concerned, and that was his whole perf- personality was, that he performed his mitzvahs with, Real purity. He was a tam. He was everything was was perfection, and he focused on all the acts that he was performing, and he did them solely and completely for the sake of of the rabbanu shalom, and and the outcome therefore wasn't as important. The process really was what uh, was what uh, you know the outcome and the benefit that he would attain from it was not really what nearly not not really that uh, that important. That's why it's called the ish. Tom, that it, it's it's just uh, simply that he just sits and and does what he needs to, what he needs to do, and it, and it works so beautifully with the other pasuk in the Torah where where we use the word tam, which is a pasuk in Pasha Shaitan which says tamim tiyeh im im Hashem lakecha be straight with Hashem your God, which Rashi explains to means don't al this, don't look what's going to be in the future, don't search and don't try to find out what's going to happen. Yaakov was able to focus on the act of the mitzvah that he was doing right now uh, without being distracted by what the end result be. The end result was not, was not, uh, was not important. And this is completely and diametrically opposed to Esau's lifestyle, who had no appreciation at all for the stages that led up to a final conclusion. He just wanted the end, the end, uh, the end results. Right? This was uh, this was already present in Esau from the very very moment that he was born. His very name, right? He says, "Vayetzarishon Admon, you came out already, kulei kaderes seyar, like one big mat of hair." Vayikru Shemai Esav, and they all called his name Esav. And Rashi comments, "What's Esav?" He had a complete head and body of hair, like someone much greater than his uh, than his uh, his age. He was finished. He was completely developed, and his hair was like an older was like an older person. So therefore, Chazal are actually telling us that Esav's whole essence, Esav's whole existence, was that of someone 
who had no interest at all in the process, wasn't interested in what was going on and how we're getting there. All he wanted was the end result. What am I going to get? What am I going to get out of it? What's what's in it for me? That's all that, in fact, actually managed to uh, to to Yaakov. He wasn't interested in in the uh, pre- preparation at uh, at uh, at all, right? And that's kind of in in, in opposition to uh, uh, Yaakov, who was called. Yaakov, why? Because he was holding on to Esau's ankle in an effort to slow him down. Esau just wanted to keep going, keep going, and churn out, churn out uh, a result, right? That which reflects. But Yaakov had his his real essence was was the appreciation of all the necessary steps that it takes to reach an, an uh, a, a a a a goal, and that's why Esau at the end. Uh, Completely disregarded the Bukhara Yivez Esav Esav Bukhara. So as Vilama Zeli, why do I need this Bukhara, this Bukhara at all? What, 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 what's it going to do for me? And the, and the Sfarim explain that the reason why a firstborn gets a, a double portion of the inheritance of his father is because as the oldest child, he really helps his parents learn how to become better parents. They, you know, he's the guinea pig, and and you know, parents don't do the don't do the parenting course before the child happens. So the child is the vehicle on which they practice. He's like the 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 uh, the, the, yeah, the the sacrificial lamb on which they become uh, uh, better parents, and they kind of learn how to how to how to do it, and for they learn kind of from the mistakes that they made in bringing up their first their first child since the firstborn kind of suffers in order to prepare his parents for their role as par- as as, uh, as parents so he's rewarded uh, uh, accordingly and asaf as a parent who didn't as a person who didn't even appreciate the preparation that went into achieving something couldn't understand why it was necessary to put himself through suffering in order to help his parents reach perfection. What do I care? They reach perfection. All I want to know is this. Is there dinner on the table? You know, I'll be going on nice holidays. That's all that, that's all that uh, counts. Right? He saw it as, as a suffering that, uh, he wouldn't, bur- he wouldn't benefit from it. He wouldn't gain from it. Also, it's my brothers that's going to happen. Not going to help me at all. And therefore he disregarded the, the, the reward as not even worth the, the, uh, the, the price. And of course we have to learn from from Yaakov's approach to value the 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 preparation stages in our in all of our efforts and and think about not just what we want to get to but we have to use our strength and 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 use them for the preparation so that we're able to to reach our perfection by doing the things in exactly the order the Torah tells us to do that in in the uh, in the uh, in the same way because the reality is you cannot attain true uh, growth or true success in either ruchnius or gashmius in the spiritual or worldly matters if one doesn't take the necessary steps slowly and resolutely and that requires obviously care and and a kind of a methodical type of planning leading up to the fulfillment of the actual mitzvah and with the understanding that all of these uh, are steps are also part of the mitzvah and important and important to to uh, in their own in their own right so by clinging to Yaakov's 
approach at life and not kind of being blinded by the desire for immediate results, which is what Esav wanted. So we should, we should merit a, a true spiritual growth and, and, and be able to witness the, 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 the end result of all the things that we are, that we are, that we are doing. We're going to take a break, uh, now and we'll come back with our last segment. This is Soul to Soul at 101.9 High FM on the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb. We're back on your radio here in Johannesburg on a Friday afternoon in our last uh, segment. We got so involved, we kind of carried on right through the last uh, Red Robot. Uh, the important times for this uh, Shabbat. So this afternoon, latest candle lighting time. This Friday is 12 minutes past six. Next week we'll get to our to our zenith, to our 6:15 docking station for for the whole for the whole uh, summer. But 6:12 is the latest time, and therefore means sunset is half past uh, six. Let's get it together early if we can. Uh, tomorrow night Shabbos Kodesh ends at four minutes. Past seven seven oh four is the end of uh, of, uh, of Shabbos. Obviously, uh, Rosh Chodesh was yesterday and today, so tomorrow is already the second of Kislev. No longer Rosh Chodesh, and therefore the Haftorah is the normal Haftorah for Parshat for Parshat uh, Toldot. Just uh, uh, to do a little bit of, of halacha, carry on a little bit in in the laws of what uh, non-Jews can do for one on uh, on on Shabbos. So. We've learned in the past, we spent the last few weeks discussing that you are allowed to hire, uh, hire out a, a, a shop or a, or a, or a, uh, business to a non-Jew for Shabbos. Or, or if you're not going to hire, you can actually give it to them, uh, to be what we call an artist, to be a sharecropper where he'll get a percentage of the profits and therefore that is his incentive to, uh, to work. But that, is only in a situation where there's no worry of what Allah has called maris maris ayin. Maris ayin means that it's not going to become apparent and evident to anyone or everyone that in fact work is being done on a premises or on on a, a project that is clearly linked to to uh, to Jews. But if there's, let's say, the the concern that he has uh, bears the name of a uh, of a of, of a Jew, or even if it doesn't, you know, bear, it's not a uh, Yankel's shop. But but if everyone knows that this is a Jewish concern, and when people will see these uh, workers on on Shabbos doing their stuff, so they may very well come to suspect that uh, the Jew has hired workers to work for him. On, uh, on, on Shabbos. So if there's any chance of that suspicion, and of course you can't do it, you can't have workers working for you on Shabbos, then it would be forbidden for a Jew to allow them to, to rent or to, uh, or to even be a, a, a percentage worker in such a situation because it would, people would get the impression that they're actually doing it for, for you. And that's why Chazal said that it's forbidden for a Jew to give, let's say he has a, Halacha talks about a, a bathhouse, that was something that was commonly uh, found in, in, in town. So if it's owned by a Jew, he may not give it to a non-Jew as, as a rental or a sharecropper agreement because, and uh, because, uh, again, that would, uh, 
they would uh, hire workers or daily workers to heat and prepare the the bathhouse. And when people see the the uh, you know this sort of smoke coming out of the chimney of of the bathhouse on Shabbos, and we see it's sort of well, that's uh, you know a lot of action there. So then they would worry. They would they would suspect that the Jew had actually hired uh, 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 workers to. Uh, to, to work the thing for him, and he is actually breaking Shabbos by having workers working for him on, uh, on, uh, on, on Shabbos. Uh, and that would then be terrible because then people would think that, oh, Jews can work on Shabbos, and of course that would be a tremendous, tremendous, uh, uh, you know, breaking down of the, of the, of the restraints of the controls of the, of, 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 of Shabbos. Uh, right. Um, okay. If, right, uh, if, however, it becomes public knowledge that the non-Jew has given this over to a, a non-Jew, this bathhouse is now being run by a, by a non-Jew, so then you can rent it out to a Jew because, uh, uh, no one's gonna think that you're doing it. And also, let's say the, the custom is in that, uh, in that town to, uh, if you have, own a bathhouse and you have someone else who, who works there and gets a percentage of the, uh, of the, uh, of the profits. So in that situation, so you can give it, uh, then in that situation, make that kind of an arrangement, a, a, a profit sharing arrangement with a, with a non, with a non-Jew. And the same would apply by your shop. Right? If it's known that this is a Jewish shop, and obviously you cannot hire a non-Jew to work there on Shabbos because then that is really Marasayim. People think that you've hired him to work for you on Shabbos. But if it's public knowledge that the, the shop is now hired to a non-Jew, so then there's no prohibition at, uh, at all. But uh, the only problem is what happens if you're worried that Jews who themselves are not keeping Shabbos might go into the shop and buy things uh, in the shop that the guy has rented. So even so, that doesn't stop you. So what, what, what a guy, it has nothing to do with me. I'm not making any profit. It has no connection to me. I don't have to be involved, right? Because the those people that are that are breaking Shabbos, so they could. That could go somewhere else. I don't have to come to your shop. It's not, it's not my, my issue. And, uh, the Jew is not involved. He's not helping them. He's not in any kind of a process to, uh, to, you know, is not, he's not aiding or begging them in, in doing it. But if most of the buyers that would come to his shop would be, would be, uh, Jews, and that would again, uh, break down the whole fence of Shabbos, and it would look ridiculous that all these Jews are coming to this shop on, on Shabbos, then you wouldn't be allowed to hire the shop out to a, a, uh, non-Jew, if his intention is to, uh, to open it on Shabbos, and, uh, Rav Aldenberg and Tzitzel Yezza speaks about that at great, at great, uh, at length. Alright, and that is the end of the time we actually have together. So I'm just going to take one more second to thank you all for being part of our radio family. Thank you all for joining us on a regular basis and wish each and every one of you that you should have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbat, a Shabbat of true rest, true tranquility. There's so much to learn and so much to do in this week's Pasha. Get involved. Ask some questions. 
you know, open your mind, turn your brain on and, and start thinking. You never know what you might come up with or what your rov might, might come up with. Make it a Shabbos of, of growth because there is no time in the world like a Shabbat to learn, to grow. The reward for learning Torah on Shabbat is so much greater even than, than during, than during the week. And we look forward to sharing with you again next week. Thank you for being part of Radio Family and we wish each and every one of you a good Shabbos.